Welcome to Thinking Reimagined. Thinking Reimagined is a unique platform for thoughts provoking intergenerational dialogue in a diverse and inclusive setting with a focus on impactful change in the global workplace and community. Our stakeholders' conversations aim to spark thought, leadership, curiosity, engagement, collaboration, and learning amongst individuals, teams, and beyond. Enjoy, Enjoy this episode. episode and subscribe to Thinking Reimagined on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and other outlets. All right, welcome to the Thinking Reimagined podcast. I am Nifemi Ogunturi. I'm joined by thought leader, educationist, leadership, and behavioral coach, and author. She's the founder of Leave Abundantly, Allied Empowerment, and the Thinking Reimagined podcast. Dr. Amma is right here with us. Hi, Dr. Amma. Hello, Nifemi. I'm so glad to be here because, you know, this topic is very dear to me, mental health. So I'm so happy to have uh, Dr. Angela with us today, as well as uh, Peter Amandboyo. Um, because Mental Health Day is coming up next week, and what better time than to address a topic that is rarely discussed in many circles. Uh, for those on the African continent, it's probably rarely discussed at all, um, but abroad at least there's a greater awareness of mental health and the significance that it plays in our lives. I find that people spend more time thinking about their physical health and not their mental health. And yet the mental health is so important to having better physical health. So uh, I'm glad that we're here to raise awareness and also to um, recognize the importance of healthy mental health um, for your life, for the quality of life, for your ability to relate to others and um, to be, to be happy, you know, you can't have a sense of happiness and fulfillment if you don't have good mental health. So welcome, Dr. Angela and everyone else. Dr. Angela is a board certified psychiatrist, a diplomat of the American Board of Psychiatry and Neurology. And um, the last time I said she had 37 years experience, she'll be more than that now <laughs> in general medicine. <laughs> and she has experiences like and psychopharmacology. So the theme for this year's uh, Mental Health Day is making mental health and well-being for all a global priority. On this podcast, we'll be looking at the concept of uh, the issue of anxiety. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, so I like to begin with a layman definition, a feeling of worry. You know, layperson. 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 <laughs> Thank you. Lay uh, definition a feeling of worry or nervousness you know about something you're uncertain about but Dr. Angela that's that's an amount of um, how do I put this it is normal to get worried when you're uncertain mm -hmm. perhaps you help us understand what to look out for when it gets out of hand well I think um, I'll have Dr. I will start that because I think anxiety and um, when we talk about anxiety, and, and thank you for having me, and when Mental Health Day is a great um, opportunity for all of us, even those of us that provide mental health, to do our own mental health checks, because we all talk about mental health, and the reason why, like Dr. Amma had said, a lot of people don't get care is that stigma and that anxiety, the word you used about what does it mean if I 
actually say something is wrong with me, but I think, um, you know, it's an opportunity for all of us to do that mental health check, you know, where are we, how are we doing, what are our relationships like, um, you know, how do we feel about the space that we occupy, you know, you know, how do we feel about how do we think we're relating to our families, how is our work going, are there areas in your work that we think that we could do different, we could do better, is this time to change, those ones that are in the last last decade, last few decades of our lives, we're like, okay, this is a good time to pivot. And I think that's all part of, you have to be healthy and people don't understand that, you know, you can't make these changes in your life if you don't, if you're, if you're not healthy. And so just like Dr. Amma said, it's, a, it's an opportunity to kind of do our own mental health checks. For me in the US, it's like the beginning of our mental health season. As you know, the weather changes as both of us in the Northeast and this is the beginning of, when we get really busy, the holidays are a really tough time for a lot of people who've lost family members, who are alone, and it gets darker in this period. It's an opportunity for all of us to say, you know, this is kind of the beginning of our mental health season. So making sure everybody is focusing on their wellness. I was going to add to that, um, that um, in terms of anxiety and mental health, I mean, things have changed since the COVID period, the pandemic. You know, there's a lot of anxiety that came through during the pandemic because, as you said, there was a change in how we related to ourselves with others. There were those who were not able or who thrive and live off being in connection with somebody. And when you're in your home and you can't get out, uh, you're dealing with anxiety, that really can be um, exacerbated when you don't have the opportunity for that human contact, because having human contact is natural for us. Mm -hmm. So there's a heightened sense of anxiety, no doubt, in since the pandemic, with the wars, um, with, the, with the inflation crisis, economic crisis, all of those things really come to affect one's um, mental state. So it's, it's really important when you're dealing with um, or talking about mental health to recognize that we're talking about emotional, psychological, social well-being, and all of those factors um, are very important. But in terms of anxiety, you know, I think somebody mentioned that it's 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 something that happens naturally, but when it becomes paralyzing, where you can't function, where you're you're nervous and you're always thinking of the doom or panicked or your blood pressure goes up or you can't even you're hyperventilating you know those kinds of things really cause one to have to take a, a moment to think and to recognize that there is something here that's beyond the normal sense of anxiety that we all get at some point in time and making sure that that sense of well-being is there so for me mental health day is a time to um create greater awareness and if I could just bring in the neurobiology, I think it's important for people to become aware of how their body reacts to the stresses of lives that cause the change, as well as how they're going to then sort of move beyond. Because for me, very often when you're dealing with that anxiety or you're, it's the onset of it, if you pay attention, your body will give you some of the warning signs you know, the sweaty palms, you know, and, and so you can then begin to sort of adapt your thinking or how you're approaching it so that there's a there's a sense of rethinking and resetting your mind so that you can um, adjust to those changes in a healthy way 
um, without ruining it the rest of your life. I mean, there are people who have anxiety and live normal lives, but mm -hmm. what we're looking for is being able to manage it better so that it does not disrupt the quality of life. Mm -hmm. and, I th and I think I would agree with that. And I think um, when you think about anxiety, just like Femi said, it can be normal, it's normal nervousness, but I think people don't understand that when it gets to a point when it begins to interfere with your daily life. And if you're, you have a young kid who can't take an exam in school, for instance, you know, because he's having so much anxiety that um, he's failing classes, you know, in college, he can't, he's dropped out of college. You know, that is no longer normal. It's an excessive yeah. fear that, and an excessive fear of anticipation that has actually in, impacted your psychosocial functioning. So we talk about in psychiatry, mm -hmm. when we say things are now a disorder you know, it's because they prevented you from doing things. Like I have a fear of, mm -hmm. you know, boats and being in the middle of the sea, so a form of agoraphobia, but I don't have a job as a naval commander. So I think I, I can kind of survive my normal life without that. And the occasional time I need to go, maybe I could meditate. But for somebody mm -hmm. who has a fear of flying and they can't, and that's the job and they have to divert their income or not do the job or call out 24 days in a week, because they have to travel to Abuja um, three times a week for work, then that's no longer normal anxiety. It's interfering with your ability to perform your daily life. You know, uh, ability is interfering with your ability to function. You know, and we also talk about separation anxiety. People, all of us have, you know, young children. Some people have young children. You know, mine are no longer young, but we have a type of anxiety where a kid is, you know, can't be torn away from their parents or dropping off. You see those kids, you're dropping you're dropping off your younger ones at school that are screaming and yelling and all the teachers are coming out. And people are trying to calm everybody down. So when things are excessive or out of proportion, you know, when you have a woman who is in her thirties and, you know, she sees a spider and, and she disintegrates and she, she's yelling and crying and having a whole attack, that's kind of out of proportion. You know, uh, so that's when you now realize that it's, it, it's excessive and those are the anxieties that we, we want to treat so that people can kind of get back into their normal lives. Mr. Boyu, I saw your hand up earlier. You're okay, muted. yeah, I just wanted to make a point um, or comment because um, going back to the drawing board, like um, this is from experience of what I've heard and seen. Um, a lot of people confuse mental health with dementia or madness. So they don't want to address um, issues that deal with mental health. And like Dr. Angela and Dr. Amar have broken it down, mental health is much more than dementia. It's anxiety, worry, um, fear of something, happiness. I mean, it has to do with your mental well-being. But there's this stigma that if you, if you get help or if you seek advice for mental health, it's dementia or it's crazy or it's madness. So I just wanted to bring that point for maybe those listening that mental health is not madness. Absolutely. Uh, and that, that, that's perhaps what Dr. Amma said earlier, the fact that um, we probably don't take it that serious here in Africa. If you are anxious, I mean, you are just anxious. Nobody cares about what's wrong with you. As long as you are not that stuff like that. But I also like us to just perhaps distinguish what the difference is. You have highlighted what to look out for when it gets to the extreme and it begins to affect your, your normal activities. But what is anxiety disorder? 
I also know that there is what they call PTSD. Is there a medical condition, mm -hmm. you know, um, related to all of this that we're talking about? Well, I think um, I can start there because when we say something is a disorder, it implies that it is impacting your functioning, social functioning, like relationship with families, economic functioning, your relationship with your job and your money. So, and also, you know, so psychologically, so it's impacting everything. That's why we call it a disorder. Because otherwise, like Dr. Amma said, anxiety is kind of normal. Some people have excessive anxiety, some people have less, but it prepares you, you know, flight, you know, or stay, you know. Life, so, yes. Yep. Yeah, so, yeah, so it prepares you for things. It helps you anticipate. Some young people do better when they're anxious, they can get their homework done, they can get into exams. Some people, when they're anxious, they, they perform more. But when something's a disorder, so there, there are many, I think the top three most common ones are generalized anxiety. And people don't really realize that generalized anxiety is actually an, it's, it's an illness. It's, um, you worry about everything. Is that person who worries all the time, who is paralyzed by worry, they have tension in their shoulders, as Otama will talk, talk to you about, in their back, they can't get anything done because they're worried. Like this is not the normal level of worry. This is a worry that you're, you're, you're not only you may you have physical symptoms, but you just can't get anything done. So that's one of the big. And if you've had that for six months or more, and you worry more times than not in a day and more hours than not, then you just have generalized anxiety. So you need to get it treated because it's affecting what you do. You can't get to work on time because you're worried. You know, you you can't go to any. You can't perform at any interviews. You're worried. You're sweaty. You worry about your sister's health. You worry about your family. You can't sleep because you're worried. So that's one, they call that one generalized anxiety because you worry about everything. So worry word is someone who's always tense and we have those people in our lives, always tense. And they think that's who they are. And then for, for me, what's very exciting, especially treating our community back here is when you actually treat the person and all of a sudden they're different and they're you know, completely upset. They just spent the last 20 years worrying when they could have actually not have to worry. You know, uh -huh. that's one. One of the other common ones is panic, you know, um, panic disorders. So what is panic disorder? It's somebody who, and we know those, those are kind of more kind of what we think about when we talk about anxiety. So those are people who have physical symptoms. And Dr. Amma mentioned that a little bit where you have shortness of breath, you have palpitations, your heart is racing. Sometimes you feel like you want to throw up. You feel like um, your hands are shaking. And this just happened out of the blue, not necessarily to, to anything. And it can just suddenly happen. You have about, you know, there's so many, you're sweating, you're twitching. You can, sometimes you have that feeling where you can't swallow. You feel like you can't swallow. And then you have to like <clears throat> drink some water or your mouth suddenly gets dry or you suddenly have sweaty palms or you're suddenly, you know, you need to go to the bathroom. And so if you have any of these symptoms, four or more of these symptoms that come suddenly out of the blue, and our physical symptoms, whether they're not in response to anything at all. And that's a panic disorder. So those are the common ones. And the third one, you talked about PTSD. PTSD is not really as common as some of the other more general ones, the, the generalized anxiety, the OCD, the people who are constantly worrying about, you know, um, their thought process. This, yeah. And so PTSD is also post-traumatic stress disorder. Somebody who's had a traumatic experience as defined by what they think is traumatic. You know, it doesn't have to be, you have, don't have to have been in a war you know, as a female or male. You don't have to have been raped or you don't have to have been harassed, but you just have this feeling, you know, something happened to you and some people remember them and it comes back vividly all the time. And each time it comes back, you have this, these physical responses 
and um, emotional. So, so when things are a disorder, which is not as common, I mean, 30% in the US here, one in five people experience mental illness. Anxiety is the most common. The exciting thing about the very exciting thing about an anxiety disorder that is also the most treatable. You know, it's so treatable. So it's actually when patients come to me and say, oh, they're anxious, they have anxiety, and their family doctors refer them, I'm actually really excited because this is somebody you can be sure that, you know, with the right therapy, with the right talking, with the right cognitive exercises. Um, yes, right, right meditation. And if needed, a sprinkling of medication, if needed, right. you know, can really go back to 100% function. It's actually really exciting. Anxiety is one of the more treatable illnesses. I'd like us to explore how people can come to a place where they understand their anxiety, the mm. triggers and affecting them. You know, as um, Dr. Angela mentioned, very often um, some of these things come go back to an experience, a past experience or something that's happened in your life that when you think about it, you begin to feel certain sensations. And then other times it's just something that's developed because the environment in which you, you are has changed, which is why you have to be very mindful of how you look at it. But when you begin to notice that you're reacting in a, in a particular way, which requires that you become aware of yourself. So you have to really spend some time with yourself. And generally people don't, they wake up and they start doing things. It's a routine. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've got this routine. I wake up, I get dressed. It takes longer for you to recognize when something is off. And when you do recognize it's off, it's because you've had a moment or you've had an experience that's caused you to take a back seat and look at it. But very often, stress, for example, um, we tend to look at stress as normal. There's nothing normal about it. I mean, there's a certain amount of stress you need to function, but the amount of stress we put on ourselves can some, sometimes disrupt how we feel and how we relate to things. So really you have to know yourself, you have to know your body, you have to become aware of the things that are normal for you. And when that becomes elevated, you have to watch your mood swings. Um, very often when your moods change or your ability to do things with others or your ability to get up and do the things that you would normally do, then there's been a change somewhere and it's important. So a level of awareness is really critical. It, it really is critical to, to know yourself, to be aware of the changes in your body and to sort of keep a journal. If you can keep a journal, many people don't keep a journal. Many people don't stay at the end of the evening to sort of think about how was my day? What occurred during my day? What threw me off? So that is, for me, that's very critical. It's one of the things that I always ask my clients when I'm working with them, what has changed? What is going on physically? What's going on that's changed in your environment? What are you doing that's different? And from there, you can begin to put the pieces together um, to see what's changing in their environment and in their lives, to be honest with you. Yeah. This is the Thinking Reimagine podcast, sponsored by Allied Empowerment. Allied Empowerment Consultancy offers leadership and innovation through bespoke human development solutions, brain-based leadership and coaching. Allied Empowerment empowers business leaders, teams and individuals to intentionally accentuate desired outcomes built on trust, curiosity, psychological safety 
engagement, and communication. Allied Empowerment, thriving in a sustainable and value manner. I, I I can remember keeping a journal or a diary. I had someone say that um, you probably have to write some things down so you can track what makes you happy or what makes you sad. Personally, I think um, when I have money, I'm okay. The only thing I'm... <laughs> yeah. I'm just yeah. kidding. <laughs> but usually, I found that. But it helps. It helps. There's no denying that it helps. <laughs> You know, you're excited when you have money, you see. Mm -hmm. But I love what Dr. Angela said earlier about children. Um, so children also get anxious. Mm -hmm. I read somewhere yes. that um, there's anxiety in childhood. But the challenge here will be most of them cannot even express themselves. They can't say I'm anxious. They can't say how they're feeling. So how do we begin to watch out for them and identify and also provide some level of help? for children in this regard? So one of the things that I do, and I, I hope that we continue to do, I, I know it's not done here in Nigeria, I'm going to be honest about that, is have children express their feelings and teach them to express their feelings. Very often when children are expressing their feelings, it gets suppressed. But if you give them the language, if you give them the space to express themselves, you're more likely to get them telling you how they're feeling. So how are you? How are you? is a very basic question, right? And people always say, I'm fine, thank you. Well, okay, all right. Now, what are you doing? What's going on in your life? How is your relationship in school? Do you have friends? Those are the kinds of things that you can begin to ask children, you know, at a very early age. Do you like that food? Why don't you like it? You know, how does it feel? How does it taste? Give them language that children can use to describe how they feel about things. And give them that space where they can actually come to you to express themselves so that you can see what's going on. If a child is being dropped off at school and they're clinging on to your, to your leg and you can't move or you have to get all the teachers out to help, there's mm -hmm. something going on there. Mm -hmm. And asking those questions and observing and speaking to the teachers will be very critical because if they're not doing that at home and they're doing it at the school, then something is going on in the home, in the school environment that you need to pay attention to. If you come home and your child who normally spends time with you is running into the room, something is going on. Or if they're sitting very quietly or not eating, engaging conversation, it is very normal. But I find that many parents are sort of, not parenting for lack of a better word. So they're missing opportunities to connect with their children and help them to own their feelings. If you don't own your feelings, it's like a cycle, you know, because after a while you start to think there's something wrong with me. And then you take on ownership of that behavior. When in reality, if somebody speaks to you, you can mitigate it. Um, one of the things that I do with my clients is use metacognition, which is changing how you're thinking. So how are you feeling? I'm, oh, here's an example. Someone said to me the other day, I'm really tired. Are you really tired or are you overwhelmed? Because there's a difference. So using the right language makes things much easier. And if you're overwhelmed, turn it around into a positive in a way, because having positive language changes how your mind works and mm -hmm. changes how you approach things. And very often we're so quick to say, oh, I'm stressed. Are you really stressed or are you overwhelmed? Mm -hmm. Are you really stressed or have you taken on too much? 
Are you really stressed? Have you said too many things on the agenda where if you just take off a few of them, then you can actually go ahead and do those things and have success in it. So it's really about language and recognizing that your thoughts will drive the emotions. And then from those emotions, you're going to have feelings. You've got to put a break somewhere in order to be able to have more control. But you also have to be honest with yourself when you're beginning to notice a change in how your body is reacting to things, because your body will give you a cue as to what is going on. But we have to listen. We have to stop long enough to listen. So I always encourage my clients to have time at the end of the day when they're not thinking and doing, they're just present to see how they're feeling and to have a baseline, a threshold for what is normal for them. So when you feel your heart is elevated, is it because you're taking on too much or you're thinking too much or somebody's putting on due pressure or you saw somebody who has triggered a past trauma and to recognize that and that helps you to be able to move forward and, and see, is this normal anxiety or is it one where I need um, further treatment? Dr. Angela, I see you were nodding all the way. You must have something to say. Yeah, I was just saying that a lot. And just like um, Dr. Amma said, that, you know, thinking kind of changes the way you feel. And a lot of times we also want to feel better before we do the, make these changes. But I always tell um, my clients as well that, you know, sometimes the feeling follows the behavior you know you want to feel better before you have to take that walk but sometimes you just need to take that walk put it on your diary take that walk and then you will find that you'll feel better so sometimes you have to do the action you know so before waiting to feel like doing the action i'm so stressed that i can't do this or i can't pick up the phone to call this person or i can't turn on that music at the end of the day um just to listen to it because i'm so tired you know sometimes you just have to do it you know so i actually have an alarm on my phone that just makes me, you know, in the end of every four hours, I just have to deep breathe. So my alarm goes up, hopefully it doesn't go over in this meeting. I have to just take those five deep breaths in and, and breathe out and take those five deep breaths, you know, long deep breath, count to 10 in, hold it for two seconds and count to 10 as you breathe out. So we call that tidal breathing and it's really helpful in stress. You know, so you just breathe in. So you, over time, when you just start doing it, you can only get five or six, but over time, you know, in terms of, how, how long you can breathe in, but it's really important to slow your breathing as you breathe out. And so uh, if you do that just five times, in for 10, out for 10, in for 10, out for 10, sometimes just three times. And we forget that you, 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 you can feel better. And so I actually set, I actually set my phone to, to kind of remind me. So we all need those reminders and also to remember that the action you know, the, the feeling can follow the action. Don't wait to feel like you want to do something. Just act first. And then you'll find out that it helps with the, how you feel. You know, the other thing I want to say is sometimes the anxiety is self-imposed because we put so much on ourselves. We want to accomplish so much. We live in a world that is um, hyperactive, naturally hyperactive. And it wasn't like this but it's become so hyperactive, so much action going on that we need to sort of get a get a sense of what is what is the priority really? What is your intention? Mm -hmm. You know, we want to accomplish 25 things in one day. No, it's not possible. Right. It's just not possible. Mm -hmm. So I, I always have my clients identify three things that they must do every day, three things that I really must do apart from the routine things. And if those three things are really heavy duty, perhaps it's just one thing. one thing. But when you, 
you know, but when you look at the list and you put all these things on the list, of course, you're going to get anxious because you can't get all of it done. But if it's three things that are manageable, then go ahead. If it's two, then go ahead. But I always say, even if there's small little things, don't put more than five things on your list because you've already created that awareness, that tension, and then that tension changes your body chemistry. And then in, in no time, your cortisol level increases and, and you're thrown off completely and you're spending all day trying to suppress that by trying to energize yourself again. But if you can just keep a threshold, it makes a difference. So I say, I always say three important things that you must do in a day. And if they're heavy duty things, then reduce it to one or two mm -hmm. so that you see you have a sense of success because having that sex of, sense of success really increases your dopamine level, your serotonin. Mm -hmm. You know, you're just so happy and you're able to move forward. But if you're dealing with cortisol, you know, and all, and you're, everything is suppressed and you can't function. And then you start thinking you go into that depressive state and you dysregulate. And once you do that, your anxiety level is heightened. Mm -hmm. Don't be a jack of all trades and a master of none. Um, Mr. Boyo, let, let's talk about women for a bit. The, the anxiety and Depression Association of America says women are twice as likely as men to develop an anxiety disorder. According to that association, from the time a girl reaches puberty to the age of 50, she is twice as more likely to uh, develop an anxiety disorder as a man. Well, from dealing with the youth, I tend to disagree, but in a way it might be correct. So I'm a little bit torn on that because um, yes, especially in this society, the younger girls seem to have a lot of anxiety because they're dealing with, um, first of all, the female child. We know in this part of the world, it's not taken as serious as the male children. If there's um, five, let me say five children and four of them are male, and one is female, um, she might not be allowed to go to school as much as, I'm just giving examples now. Um, after secondary school, they're like, well, she's gonna get married and all that. So there's that anxiety of the young girls that want to further their education or want to be taken as equals to their male siblings or contemporaries or whatever you want to call it. And, um, but I feel like in today's society, it's, it's maybe 70, 60, because the guys still have a lot of pressure. Um, being um, post-COVID and the way the, the country, the world is now, economic um, issues and uh, anxiety, I think is at a higher level than it was before. So I don't know when that study was done, but um, just for instance, yesterday, I had someone send me a message that they want to commit suicide. And mm -hmm. I'm like, why? It's like, I'm tired of living. I'm, I'm like, you're barely 20. You still have mm. about 50, 60, 70 years to live and you're tired already. It's like, it's just too much. I'm like, tell me what's going on. It's like, I'm finished school. I don't have a job. I don't have um, a place to stay. Where I'm staying, my brother says he can't take care of me and his family. So all those things are what is making the young people um, anxious. And then I have girls, um, also that I mentor and they, they have similar complaints, but they also have that extra feeling of, well, my parents want me to get married because they can't take care of me anymore. Or I want to go to university, but 
they don't believe I should be going to university. I'm sure Dr. Aman, uh, Dr. Angela will um, know about this, but it's, it's, um, it's becoming like an everyday issue, especially here in Nigeria, because I don't know about everyone else in the world, but here it's becoming very, very prevalent. And I think it's a, almost a 50-50 split, but I'll still agree a little bit that maybe 70-60. Let me get Dr. Angela out in this. You know, can I just add something that I do think um, that there is added pressure on girls globally. You know, we tend to have greater expectations, yes. restrictions, Definitely. and, you know, what we, what we call the good girl syndrome that many women suffer from. And, and that in itself can add to anxiety for young women and for women. You know, the, the pressures of the society and families and the culture places on girls is much higher than what they place on boys. You know, from a very early age, girls, whether you're in the city or in a rural area, there's certain expectations of how you're going to live, what you're going to do, the expectations for your behavior, the expectations of how you come, you know, relate to others, the expectations of what you're going to do with your life. And I think all of those can add to the anxiety levels that um, girls feel more than men. Um, but there are also the traumas that girls experience um, from a very early age because of the way the society, which is a patriarchal society, treats and views girls and women. So I do think that that, that I don't, not that I do think, I do believe that research is, is accurate, that women have higher levels of, or could have higher levels of stress, uh, sorry, anxiety um, than, than men. Um, and even our bodies change so drastically. I mean, you talk, you talk about girls going through um, puberty and going through their menstrual cycles. You know, there was a recent study done in India where they got, they had some men, I don't know, Angela, if you've seen it, where they gave men the opportunity to have the experience of what period cramps were. They, they couldn't, they couldn't tolerate it, you know, but these are things that men, yes, Nifemi's eyes got wider. They could not tolerate it, but all of these things um, change the body chemistry, change the way you're reacting to things. And so it, it, I do believe that there's more um, anxiety within women than men based on all of these factors um, coming together. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. Especially, especially, you know, I think the expectations and I know, we talked about, you know, girls are expected to kind of marry and, you know, take care of the home. But as we know, as the world has changed, girls are also equal and sometimes the sole income providers. But we also know the studies are very clear that girls share, women and girls share, the, the have the major burden of raising the families and the children. So if you're the sole income provider and you have a husband who's probably not working and then, or a partner who's not working, and then in addition to that, you expect you carry the major burden of family that in its own is a template for more anxiety you know yeah. so yeah. I, I so i think those roles and you know you know those like you said the cultural roles and it's everywhere you know in the us as well you know they're still in a model where women are thought that they work less and they earn less and they know that they earn less but at the same time they're providing the major um, support for families and um, in terms of the, you know, the burden of taking care of the family, taking care of the home, taking care of if they if their children, and at the same time, you know, also working outside the home. You know, so it, it, 
It Absolutely. Yeah, it's very typical. Yeah, yeah, it's very typical for a woman, a working woman, you know, to go to work all day long, come home, mm-hmm. and then if she has a partner, he's sitting down there <coughs> watching television and relaxing, yeah. and she's in the kitchen. And then after the, you know, the meal is complete, no, 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 it's still going on. That's not true. Yeah, but there has to be awareness. Yeah, I think creating that awareness that everybody, even among families and, you know, among cultural families among that, you know, women do need help. Even just mm-hmm. that help is, it, 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 helps the, it helps the guys too, or it helps whoever their partner is. If, you, if the person, are you doing okay? How can I help you? Just a simple question, like, how can I help? You know, that alone can decrease one's level of anxiety and prevent somebody becoming from normal anxiety and stress into an anxiety disorder. That's it, right. It's a lot. It really is a lot. And, you know, so sometimes just asking, you know, not waiting for it to, like we had this recent case in the US, it's been on the news. And those of you in the news media would know about it. A young woman that killed three of her children in New York just drowned them, just took them one by one and drowned them. You know, and we hear these stories all the time of a woman who killed her children or did this or committed suicide. And why do we have to wait till then? We all have that in our family. When we know that these stresses can make somebody get to a breaking point, we also know people are not going to talk about treatment. You know, so just everyday people, like Dr. Amma said earlier, how are you doing? You know, I'm fine, thank you. No, but how can I help you today? All of us just going back to our partners today to say, you know, even if that's all we got from this session is how can I help? How can I, how, how can I, how can I help today? What are some of the things that you need me to do? Just to add real quick about this puberty, um, mm-hmm. a lot of girls go through anxiety because uh, when they hit puberty and they get like their first period, they're teased. And I know of an instance where in, in the school, the girl was teased and because she had a blood stain on her dress. So a lot of young girls have that anxiety. And also in some communities, girls are not allowed to go to school or come out during their period. And I know we went to film in, I don't want to call it town in Nigeria. And in this village, women, when they have their period, they're not allowed to come to the stream to get water. They have to be in a separate part of the village. So that too is um, a lot of anxiety on young girls, especially because mm-hmm. the period they're supposed to be a natural, beautiful experience. Yeah, so they're just shaming. A lot of shaming. Sorry. Shame. I said that's a lot of shaming and blame. Yes. What's just a biological process terrible, that you, you have to control over, you know? So instead, it, yes, easy to create shame. So it's uh, very yes. challenging. Very, very challenging. And I think parents should prepare their daughters for that first. So it's not a shock or something. They should speak. Speak with your child, not to your child. Speak with them. Communicate. Engage. Indeed. Mm-hmm. I think it's been a fantastic conversation. We have to go now. And, um, like to, I like to also just remind the listener what Dr. Angela said. You should walk up to someone today and say, what can I do for you? Um, so many of us are in relationships where we just dump all the responsibility on our partners. You know, we do it so unconsciously. I, I initially would not agree with Dr. Amar that there are still men who will sit down and watch TV while the woman does everything. In an age of global inflation and harsh economic realities, I mean, both people now have to, <laughs> both parties now have to do their beat, you know. But 
I think that's very noteworthy <clears throat> to to offer help and also someone carry their burden. We have to go. I do now. want to say something before we go, Nifemi. Yes. And Dr. Angela actually alluded to this earlier. People need to breathe. Mm -hmm. Very often, we actually think we're breathing, but we're not breathing. We're not. We take that breath for granted. And if you could just really breathe and recognize that you're taking in air and you're expelling air, it will really help tremendously. We're not really, yeah, there you go, Peter, breathe, breathe. You should actually take in air when you fill in your stomach and then you can expel, expel it and you can flatten your stomach. So very often people do it in the reverse. When you're breathing in and you're taking in air, your stomach should get extended. When you're exhaling, your stomach should get flat. We tend to do the reverse and we think we're breathing. We're not breathing. We're taking breath for granted. And if you can control your breath and use it to your advantage, you will find that many of the normal anxieties that you have, you can actually control it. You really can not maybe control it, but manage it better, manage it better. and um, manage it better, not control it, but manage it better. And um, the exercise that she gave, 10 breaths. I mean, some people think it's a lot of work, but start with four and work mm -hmm. your way. In that process, you're actually meditating. You're, med you're taking a moment for yourself. And in that moment, you have a chance to just take care of yourself. Mental health is about self-care. It's about taking care of yourself. No one can do that for you. The same way you will go out and see a doctor because something is wrong with you, you've got a deep cut or whatever it is, is the same way or same attention that you should give to your mental health. All right. So an estimated 31% of all adults will experience an anxiety disorder at some point in their life. And um, anxiety is also fast becoming the most common mental disorder, not only in the US, but in some other parts of the country. So I'm hoping that you'll listen to this podcast again and you will find something there to help you, you know, uh, while you encounter your own episode of anxiety. Dr. Angela, thank you so much for talking to us. Thank you Dr. for having me. Glad to see you. Yeah. Dr. Boyle, I'm Dr. Nifemi. Thank you everyone for listening. We love you. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you. This has been a Thinking Reimagined podcast. The executive producer is Dr. Amma. Co-producer Peter Amon Boyle. And it is moderated by Nifemi Okuntoye. The podcast is edited by Nelkan and supervised by Doon Sokwa. Thinking Reimagined emphasizes the importance of transformational conversations which have as their aim the bringing about of the rich diversity of thoughts and most importantly, powerful and applicable effective solutions and change. The views, opinions and contributions of the panelists are exclusively theirs and do not reflect the opinions of thinking reimagined producers or personnel. Thank, Thank you, you for, for listening, listening and, and we, we hope you have enjoyed, enjoyed this episode. episode. We invite you to subscribe to Thinking Reimagined on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play and other outlets. We look forward to presenting another riveting episode next week. Thinking Reimagined Podcast 
is produced by Live Abundantly. We welcome your thoughts and invite you to visit our website, livesabundantly.com. Or you can follow us on social media and Live Abundantly 8. Thinking, Thinking Reimagined, changing, changing the, mindset the mindset for a better global, global society. society.